and the Starfleet computer has to be able to parse whether you're allowed to say that word or it writes you up. Just a weird. I mean, that's just a coming right off the thing that wasn't recorded, but now starts may start the episode. Welcome to Gay Space Communism. My name is Paul Byron. I am joined, as always, with in alphabetical order, my constant companions on this journey of exploration. Hi, I'm Amy. Hi, I'm Corey. Hi, I'm Rachel. And when you think about it, it would probably work out more or less identically to that Twitter bot that they made that immediately became racist. See, and this is this is exactly where we're going today. This is what we're talking about. We've got a wonderful guest here to tell us all about it. Troy, you've been here before. We yep. love to have you. I have been here before. Yeah. Friend of the show. Friend of the show. Yeah, yeah. Love the show. <laughs> Gotta say that the Afghanistan episodes have been really powerful. Really appreciated listening. And yeah, so I'm Troy Hewitt and I am the deputy executive director of Brand New Congress. And my day job is working with uh, nerds on tabletop role play and video game stuff. And I do a bunch of other things and, and mostly listening to this podcast. So well, we appreciate that, that. is a full time job. It really is. <laughs> so many coded messages. We appreciate you that we we do consider this to be sort of a federation make work project, which we consider to be in general good. It's fine. They just need dug. Murals need painted. Podcasts need potted. So let's we often start off with our, our viewing logs. Anybody's got anything good they've been watching on the Star Trek fronts? There's a lot going on. I appreciate it. If that's if, that's, if the answer is no, every, we can. Power well, forward. but actually, yeah, because the last few weeks have been particularly heavy, both like in the world and for me personally. Personally, I've definitely been seeking some distraction and I'm uh, I'm still in my my long five year journey of watching all Trek in chronological order of the timeline. Right now I'm in the part of the timeline where Lower Decks lines up. So that actually um, has forced me to slow down a lot because I'm in second season of Lower Decks where I'm only getting a new episode every week. It is wild having to wait for a TV show, I know. right? It's driving me crazy. And so like I have been like mass consuming other content in between episodes of Lower Decks each week. So I've recently watched Sense8 for the first time, which was really fascinating. I know we've talked about that before. I also, because I'm really pissed off that they're getting ready to take all of the Star Trek off of Netflix, which is the easiest place to watch Trek at the end of the month that we're recording this in. You be thankful um, for your month. Ours is, it's already gone here. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Well, it's yeah, for me, it's leaving at the end of the month. And yeah, so I've been like going back and kind of shotgunning some of earlier Trek before I have to watch it through more annoying platforms. Yeah, listeners, wherever you are, pour one out for Trek on Netflix. Yeah, I don't want to sound like Harry Mudd, but you know, flags, boats, you get it. It's a it's a metaphor. It's a, like it's a colloquial carry on. <laughs> Whatever's on your hard drive is largely your business, unless it's like eight or ten specific things. You have all, but you're gonna have all the Star Trek episodes you want. I just want to make it clear that I'm serious. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, pour it out. <laughs> just pour it, whatever it is. Just a fluid. <laughs> pour it on the ground. Oh no, it's Odo's bucket. Lorf. Oh. Oh, I have recently been uh, turned myself off of streaming service documentaries made by the corporate entity that they are talking about. This includes the Netflix documentary about Blockbuster, the Hulu documentary about Nickelodeon. And I'm just like, okay, cool. Yeah, y'all did a great job being on TV. You're the executive producer of something and you were the boss. Okay, great. Can we talk? Were there child minds? Like, I want to, you know, like they know it's like never like. And then this is the horrible thing 
thing we did. You're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm a rich guy, and I bought this company, and then it fell apart. I don't know. Then these kids t- paid me 20 grand to talk about it. <laughs> Very strange. Big thumbs up, Shining Tooth. Uh, so I've watched a couple of those. I did really like Action Park, but that was, I don't feel like that they sponsored that necessarily because the people that still own it do, but I don't feel like that would be what they'd want to focus on. Uh, and it is fun to see what we allow people, to, we, we used to allow people to do. Anyway. Can we just take like a brief aside here to like express our collective outrage at the decision of the Jeopardy producers to not give the job to LeVar Burton because that was absolute bullshit. And obviously they immediately had to fire the one guy that they gave it to, the executive producer who hired himself, pulled a Dick Cheney. Just completely wrong, completely wrong, you know. And then and now we're stuck with Maya, I can't even say her last name, the, the, the awesome. anti-vaxxer lady. Awesome. Is you now mean- the host of Jeopardy. The fuck? Blossom is? Yeah, Blossom. Uh, I, yeah. So Alex Trebek had picked, uh, he had talked about who we wanted to replace him. That- well, they they were going to split it between her and the executive producer that got fired, whose name I've already intentionally forgotten. Doesn't matter. Yeah. They went through this entire process to supposedly select, you know, the next best host, and they split the duties between the anti-vaxxer lady and the producer that hired himself, who already had to get fired. And they could have just had LeVar Burton. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. I'll take uh, racism for 400, LeVar. Yes. Yeah, exactly. He was all, Alex Trebek had actually talked about a woman he really respected to take his place. It was a black woman who does a lot of news. I'm trying to remember what her name Perfect is. Perfect person, uh, though. She reads on TV. She's smart. She knows how to say all the words on the prompter. That's the job we're asking for, right? Like, they don't have to know all the stuff. They just have to say it on the call. I mean... Yeah, CNN legal analyst Laura Coates, and he was just a big fan of her. He just really enjoyed her work and how she did her job. I mean, you'd think maybe that would be the place they'd go. At very least, it puts everyone in their place like, well, it's who Alex picked. And they're like, all right, well, I guess if you're mad at all, even a little bit about that, there's the easy, obvious one of, well, that's who picked. And you're like, okay, well, it's not at least the executive producer of the show picked himself to do the thing he likes. And so much less racism. Can we just make this a regular segment going forward? You know, like like uh, Jeopardy Watch? Where we complain <laughs> about a show that's also 30 years out of date? I mean... And everybody has a take. Every guest we've had has a take on this. And this, no, and this has been our recurring segment. So, LeVar Burton didn't get it, huh? Thank you for joining us. That's just rude. <laughs> they should have, yeah. I can't believe it. You know, he'll always get my heart, though. I'm like eating a taco as I say this because I forgot to eat today. Fuck yeah, tacos rule, Corey, in your face. How are you all getting tacos? (laughs) I'm getting taco shamed. It's not even Tuesday. (laughs) I made this one at home for myself. Anyway, you know, he didn't get the role, but he'll always get our hearts. Absolutely. Uh, I'm actually getting pork tacos later, too. All right. Because they're fucking good. Tacos are great. This is not space. It's Taco (laughs) Track. Welcome to Taco Track. Everyone's favorite taco-themed science fiction podcast. You know, they never had tacos in the replicator. Why not? That's a white supremacy. I mean, they only had two (laughs) kinds of food on this show. No, like, seriously, they only had two kinds of food on this show. And they were white people food and strange, exotic alien food that was actually just fruits from other continents. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. (laughs) Dry fruits. Yeah. Trip like soul food. That's at least counts. And then there's melon cubes, which were the TOS favorite. That's right, villain cubes. That's so good. Yeah, that's true. And then every once in a while, an entree for dinner. But mostly gah. Gah, yeah.
That's awesome. And you know what? That kind of teases our actual topic, but it speaks to like when Deanna Troy goes to um, the replicator and asks for a Sunday. It's like, I don't know, fatty. Are you sure you need a Sunday? And I'm like, hold on. Like this one, you can make it whatever shape you, you can make the atoms whatever shape you want. So this could be the most nutritious paste in the world. And you want to yell at me about it. But also this is a thing the computer keeps an eye on. That's fucking bad. Yeah. Oh, we want to wrap up viewing logs. Anybody else got anything good they've been keeping an eye on? I've literally not watched anything since the last time I was on your podcast. That's great. That means you've been living your life. Oh, no, I wish. Okay, well, shush. Honestly, my only update is that we're in the last couple weeks before a DSA election. So aside from the fact that, like, I'm very busy, I also just hate humanity. Nothing brings out the worst in people like a DSA election, (laughs) specifically. So, And that's Deep Space Alpha. Yeah, I've been watching just the trashiest, least thoughtful animes I can find. Say one of their names so we can judge you. So the listeners can judge No, I'm judge not going to do that. Okay. That, not today, FBI. Fair. I will not invoke fans <laughs> upon myself. <laughs> so so get us get us on Twitter and um, reply to the uh, gay space hashtag or gay space with uh, what you think Rachel's watching. Oh, this is that's happening. It's going to be the event online. We're going to be the next guy receives his Tesla in poor condition and celebrates that. <laughs> so as far as things we're watching, there is one thing that has has um, completely dominated the trans worldview for a little bit here, and that's the Wachowskis producing another film. So I've been, you know, only focusing on Wachowski material for the moment. <laughs> What'd you think of that trailer? Oh, fucking incredible. Okay, so I can't remember who said this on Twitter, but somebody said, like, the original movie is about, you know, the power of coming out as a trans woman, and, like, you can do anything once you, you know, wake up. But this one is about somebody living in denial till they come out later in life. And that, like, that hits me hard. That that's that's closer to the Wachowskis' true story, yeah. you know. And so this is this is much less of a wish fulfillment movie and more of a lived experience, kind of motivated by lived experience. So I'm I'm like very very excited for it. I have to say, I was like 12 when The Matrix came out. Like it was like kind of made for me. <laughs> if you're not here for a deep trans allegory, there are still wet people in leather trench coats shooting guns. Don't worry. Oh, they right. remember how they got you. I mean, can it be both? It is. It is both. It could be. It, yeah, it's just a wonderful blending of the two. It's like the trailer brings all of the. It's like, oh, shit. Yeah, I remember liking that. I remember why I love this. And and re- watching the, the original again, like the allegory is so dense. I can't watch it all at once anymore. I, yeah. I like watch through the first scene and I'm like, oh, so Trinity is like an imagined future after transition that motivates you to have the strength to transition into the person you'll actually be, which you have no idea of knowing who that will be when you start your transition. It's just this, this idea of who you might be that comes in and pushes you forward. You know, Amy, I uh, worked on a world famous video game uh, called The Matrix Online, and my job was to be the main sort of characters. So like the Merovingian and Niobe and, you know, no Neo, of course, and Morpheus only for a short period of time before he had to go. He's no longer with us in canon. I think they're going to keep video game canon, but the way that you're describing your take on the allegory and the depth of the Wachowskis work in telling the story is it, it clocks with the way 
the Wachowskis work on everything, including video games. The depth in their attempt to really just make everything meaningful. There's not a lost moment in any of that stuff where they didn't really sometimes maybe overthink it. I mean, like a whole world where you don't use the color blue, that seems problematic for a video game. But um, They will it, overthink anything you like. They would really will. Yeah. It's, it's a gift. <laughs> and, and many of the things you don't like as well. But but yeah, that's um, sometime I'll tell you about the story of uh, having Lawrence uh, Fishburne on a phone call as Morpheus was called a racial slur in the video game <laughs> while we were watching it. So it was, yeah, it was pretty intense. But suffice to say, that depth is there. I mean, it's, it's exciting and interesting and fascinating. And, you know, it has a lot of that same appeal to many, many people who travel a journey and, you know, uh, looking to sort of find themselves, which is a deeper endeavor for others or for many, not as much. So, yeah. I think one of the things too is like, I was down on the Matrix movies for like years and it's like part of my denial almost was like part of this like whole anti-fun denial monster through my 20s, you know? Anyway, Star Trek. A show where they're just bringing the wet trench coat back in the modern era, thanks to Picard and some of Discovery. We appreciate it and we enjoy it. It's a good aesthetic. So this concludes Viewing Log, a segment I've finally named. Now we'll move forward, as we do, uh, and break through the main segment barrier. That being said, uh, and uh, what we're here to talk about is something... Wait, uh, Paul, that... wait, wait, wait. Mm. Before we move on, before we move on, this is really important. You want to call it the Viewing Log, but I think we should call it the Crapton's Log. <laughs> and so it was named that was crapton's log no if you don't if you don't if you don't like it donate to our patreon at a high enough level and i'll let you name it yeah yeah nice 20 bucks a month and you can name it for at least one month we'll let you name all the segments for money but you gotta get them like paying for three or four months first oh, no. before they you yeah gotta get that. i'm from Ferenginar, baby i got a little head of the nagus you just put a little slip in the mouth every time you listen to the podcast mm -hmm. it comes to us yeah, nice. you know, and also, you know, bringing it back to the uh, the beginning of the episode, whatever name you choose, nothing racist, y'all. We're going to use filters. We're going to filter out all the bigoted stuff. So don't bother. Yeah, if something bigoted comes through, we'll charge your card twice and we won't change the name. And if something bigoted mm. comes through, how did you get to like Star Trek? And then this like, how, what? Like, what is your budget for dicking around and harassing people on stuff you barely like? Anyway, don't Internet bigots understand that you are just two clicks away from their home. <laughs> it's pretty easy to find them and their family and their mom and their job. I, in Minecraft, it would be, so, I don't want it. You know what, Ren? Maybe cut this part out. That being said, we're going to talk <laughs> about the main thing, which is, yeah, to the algorithms and how they sort of, uh, like, all right, so we live in a world that is largely, a lot of it, everyone is saying that they have machine learning, that they're using algorithms and AI, and a, most of it is Horcus. A large part of it seems to be guys in Bangalore banging on a spreadsheet for people who make a lot of money in San Francisco. There are still some applications of this, but Star Trek seems to posit a world where that is largely works, right? Like, run a diagnostic is just a thing you can say, and then it does something, and then you know something, and that is, it is a systematized, algorithmatized process, but it is ultimately one that is controlled by people, and I think there's a disparity in the future we want and the future we're gonna get, and that's a lot about what the show is. The future we're gonna get is the one where it won't let you save yourself because you lack the permissions 
in authority because you don't have the right job code. The communist one says safety plugs always work. You pull the thing and then it stops because you're going to kill a guy, right? That's why you have a safety stop on a machine so you don't have to watch your friends die. I don't know. And Troy, you have a lot of, you've thought about a lot of this. You talk about a lot of this. This is a topic you kind of jumped on as a, and we were kicking around what you might discuss with us. So please. Yeah. So I've got a particular passion about this. And I think when you look at the reason for developing AI to do the tasks, to get the jobs done is, uh, you know, an economy of efforts. And it's, uh, it's created a situation. So as somebody who works in the online space where I need to measure sentiment and gather opinion, I get that there is an efficiency in kind of understanding what most people think. An AI driven process wherein there's no human intervention, where the AI is there to sort of both coax you into what you should be saying and then measure what your reaction is. It's created this kind of a hellscape on the internet that includes like, you know, you've got these organizations that are reaching millions and millions and millions of people, you know, minute by minute, and they have control over whether or not those people are happy and how they interact with other people. Are they heard? Are they listened to? And in a world where we are just hoping to one size fits most means most of us are uncomfortable. And so I, I have a particular passion around the abdication of responsibility to the individual. And I also think that the- Hallelujah. Yeah. Yeah. And the AI driven uh, stuff is really an effort to have to care less about an individual's concern. And at the end of the day, you know, people always talk about edge cases and outliers, but- um, that's your life. That's you. You're That's you're you. that you're yes. that thing at some point. It's going to randomly happen to the person you love the most and then they're the blip on the spreadsheet and now what? That's right. That's right. And AI-driven technology is infiltrating all of the things. And in a world where we are high on economies of scale, we want to get as much of the glop out of the forest into people, but in, not in a way that's sustainable, not in a way where people who are in a local space, like if you live in a place that's rich with a particular mineral, you know, destroy all the other important, you know, environmental aspects of that to get the mineral, but then bring it back so that we can consume it. And then come back with a boat full of garbage and then fill up the hole. I mean, it's just- Okay, a, it's... I can't leave the hole there. It fills in with water and then there's mosquitoes <laughs> and then that leaches into the aquifer. So if I fill it in with garbage, at least it then just runs off into your city. True. And you can make islands out of it a la China. So yeah. No, it's, it's uh, for me, this is a, a multifaceted issue that talks about labor and it talks about the assault on labor. And you look at uh, gathering efficiencies and training workforce. And I was on the world's worst social network, LinkedIn. And the some... nothing but the most regressive takes in the, I love my job so much there. It is great. Uh, I object to this social descriptor. It's just a network. It's a network. Yeah, it's a something. I was just, I happened to catch somebody who had posted, what they did is they took a screenshot of what they'd already written and then posted it as though it were like a deep saying that they picked up from somebody else. And they said, thoughts? Really curious as to what people think about this thing that I said. And essentially it was like some word salad around uh, workers who are, who are happy. If they love what they're doing and they care about their work, then it's always quality work. And the workers that do not are, you know, just bad people like that old saw of, you know, it's, it's always about the workforce and not about anybody running the goddamn companies. And, uh, I mean, the guy was just sitting there like literally huffing his own flatulence. And I'm thinking, why is our first, like reading the thread, everyone was just knee jerk reaction. Like people don't care about their jobs. It was like all of the Karens got together and were like, yes, well, I've got opinions about how people do their work. And I thought this is what's driving. These are the captains of industry. This is what's driving these decisions. I don't, I just think that's a bad move. I think it's a bad plan. 
it's every person's right to not care about their job and do it anyway. That's you're you're right. That's a right to do, you know. Do you mean selling authority to whoever's capable of the most efficient and brutal verbal abuse is maybe not a good way to run a society? Seems like a great way to refine verbal abuse. <laughs> not a good way to, to be a human. No and way. Or to, yeah, or try to live in a world where, you know, maybe you have resources that aren't necessarily in your neighborhood and you don't have to go strip mine India for whatever new thing that they need to build the next phone. It's really upsetting. Now, I've been yeah. studying the abuse mines a little bit, kind of getting down in there and, and mining some abuse myself lately on Twitter, and I managed to get a few people banned, which was like not effort reward efficient in any way. That's part of the algorithm issue is that they think if enough people have said a thing, and these are problems that have gone way back before, back when we were trying to figure out how to govern internet space uh, when it first began and they first started talking about massively multiplayer online games, we were trying to figure out like how would, there's a mass reporting. That's not always a person who's done anything wrong. You know, it's a group of people who are being assholes, but it's. We've given a vehicle for punishment. People can meet that out however they want. And anytime you give someone a system, they will game it and learn to break it and that is just yep. reality yeah so i i struggle to see how ai ends well for any of us haven't we you know all seen the various permutations of the story where the ai is like oh, you guys are just fucked it's time to go yeah. Well, you know, I think it's like, I mean, I'm generally not a big Evo Psych fan, right? Because I think that it's usually used in really reductive and chauvinist ways. But when we look at sort of the physiology of emotional connection, we developed that first. You know, we learned or evolved really to feel other people's, or at that point, you know, apes or whatever sort of proto-animal it was, emotional contexts ourselves, right? And so trying to remove that aspect of the relationship, right, that sort of emotional connection that we have to each other and really divorce that from the immediate interpersonal relationship is sort of, it's an abomination of that, right? And that's exactly why AI gives us such horrific outcomes, because the truth is that more than anything else, we are guided by feelings and we're guided by contexts and our brains are making all kinds of really complicated judgments and, you know, heuristic assessments before whatever sort of behavioral output happens. Yeah, absolutely. I have the ghost of other friend of the show, Damien Williams, whispering in my ear, reminding us all to say, AI doesn't exist. That's not a thing yet. Machine learning and algorithms are what they're selling. And anyone that says AI is lying. Uh, and then ultimately also to his his larger yes. point that this is because we've taught it with the shitty models we have, right? Our bad credit, the fintechs basically replicate the systems they see, which is like, oh, it's you redlined it. And they're like, no, no, no. Our black box algorithm just came up with a normal way to distribute yeah. property values and insurance rates like yeah but it's reflective mm -hmm. of and like without an effort to compensate for it will replicate those patterns and it, yeah that mm -hmm. leaving ai alone i'm here for the singularity it's just i don't want to build the dumb singularity that tells me other people also <laughs> bought the same video game on the other platforms the little right. you know your amazon guys and hmm yeah I wanted to jump in on, on this because we're talking about the algorithm and how it actually functions. And I, I want to look at how like, we don't have a direct comparison to concept or existence of the Internet in Trek. 
um, we've talked about that before, like the internet doesn't function the same way in Trek the way that it does in our real life. What we have in Trek is essentially a series of databases that have various people have different levels of access to and where all the information that gets put into those databases comes from is, you know, a source for discussion, um, who's producing that content and how accurate is it and how unbiased is it. But essentially, we have a series of database queries and nothing equivalent to like social networks that we see in in our life in the Trekverse. So all these different alien databases from all over the the galaxy are going to have to have ways to talk to each other and it's not going to be possible for people to do that effectively so we are going to have to have you know this algorithm to help us parse and sort information but the way it seems to work in trek is very utopian it, it just like always seems to produce information that everyone accepts as neutral and factual and no one seems to question the bias of the source the only time that it ever comes up that information that is queried from the database is wrong it's because a person has manipulated the information they deleted a log, they rewrote something. But there's never any presentation that I can think of in Trek where the algorithm is like artificially like funneling bad information or that bad information is there to be sourced, you know, just as as part of like the natural landscape. There's one I can think of, which I think is a, it's a Voyager episode where uh, Seven of Nine amps up her processing speed. She basically overclocks herself and becomes a conspiracy theorist. Oh, interesting. Uh, and she's like spinning up from the same fact pattern every day. She wakes up and has spun up an entirely new theory as to why Janeway is yeah. attempting to conquer the Delta Quadrant, why the McKee are attempting to overthrow the Federation, and like uh, all and yeah. like and like uh, bringing this to everyone's attention every morning. And they are all on edge because she has presented a very compelling case from the data that exists, but she is just booling up shit in her fucking mind while she regenerates. And again, she's overclocked right. her damn CPU and is just running hot. And I mean, again, these connections exist, but they are speculative in nature. But she, because she has piled up a bunch of data around them, now they are true. And this is, I think, actually, right. a one, uh, yeah. I know which episode you're talking about, and that that is a really good one. And you're right; that's the only example that I can think of where. Actually, no. Now that I think about it, uh, it's called couple... literally conspiracy. No, it's called the Voyager conspiracy. Yeah. I think there's a couple of episodes of like TOS where a computer kind of turns on on the crew in some way. You mean the ultimate computer? Episode what 24 of TOS. Yeah, but no, no. Yeah. What about the, that uh, one? Yeah. the spaceship that's uh, traveling to pick up the whale? It needs to hear the whale song or it's going to destroy the world. Oh, <laughs> the movie. Yeah. It was a, like, that's kind of, I never really quite understood that as a kid when I watched it. And I understand it less now in that why would it come back to say, give me a whale or you're dead? You know, because it, it was just a computer, right? I mean, it wasn't like it had gained sentience and just decided to vibrate the world to pieces or... I mean, if you don't get ping back from your people, you're like, wow, what'd y'all do to all of our... Because, like, the fair question of where the fuck did y'all put the whales is a good one, because we killed them. And so yeah. maybe do blast us with the... Like, I mean, Kirk cheats us in that movie, right? We should be killed by the whales for killing all the whales. <laughs> so, and he's like, well, let me go back in time and save our asses. And bring one sad whale. No dipshit, <laughs> ma'am. No dipshit. No dipshit. <laughs> 
But no, it, Star Trek does not give us a lot of opportunities for that. I mean, control, it goes full AI before it goes problematize sort of algorithms in this way. It wants to, it would rather make them an intelligence and then generally put them in a position of problematize them essentially. Like control was very, I thought, poorly handled in Discovery Season 2. But that being said, they don't, they either make them smart, but they don't really do much. Oh, all the rules are making it like this. Yeah, and Corey, I hear what you're saying. Like, uh, you know, in, in Star Trek, the offer of advice or the information is not as intrusive as we're creating our AI, which is literally right. like coaching on how to type an email as you're typing it. You know, it, it, it's a non-obtrusive voice that says you're going to die soon. <laughs> you know, th that's about it. Like, it's not like you know having that much control over your over your day to day as a Trek person. You know. Except for the uh, the computer giving dietary advice to Troy. Other than that. <laughs> okay, that's some shitty writing. Some writer needs to be slapped for that. Right? Like, oh, yeah. shit. That sucks. Yeah. yeah. Like, okay, the doctor gets to yell at you about this, maybe. But, like, not the food dispenser. I am sorry. Like, right. Yeah. But there's no interrogation about the source or the quality or the veracity of the information that comes out of these database queries. It's always just accepted that it's true unless it has been revealed to have been manipulated by a bad actor. And that's not going to be true that humans are going to be humans in the 24th century as much as they are today and that there's going to be people that are going to be manipulating the narrative and, you know, as they say, history is written by the victors. And just wrong too, right? Like, oh, sensor yeah. array was pointed the wrong way so we thought the wrong thing about, I mean, like, because like Star Trek V then, to jump to this, there's just a big barrier in the middle of the galaxy. They're like, nope, nobody goes through there. And then they went through there and it was fine. And God was in there. And then they fought him. And that was, it ruled. But like, oh, we just can't go through this barrier. Nothing past it. Like, you didn't throw a nothing. You didn't throw a probe on a rope, drag it back. The old probe on a rope trick. I know that. Hey, it's, it's, it looks, poking with a stick is solid science whenever you are. It is, it is. Uh, but there, you're right. There's not as much interpretive issue or like even really, yeah, wrong anything. Very, very few things are, are inaccurate. Usually it is something that is new is learned, but nothing old is false is generally how Star Trek seems to learn its lessons too, I think. Like, yeah, trying to think of places where that's not how it goes down, right? Like, I can't think of any examples, really. Oh. Because you have things with procedure. I think uh, Michael Burnham does a nice job talking the starship into letting her out of her jail cell in the first Discovery episode. But it's also like, okay, well, your job is to keep me alive, right? I'm a prisoner. Okay, cool. How much longer will I live if you leave me in here? And like, oh, n none. Okay, now what if we do my dumb plan where you let me out of jail? It's like, well, some. And then it lets her out of jail because it's <laughs> any versus none. And it, But like, she has to talk it through that logic, which is a very strange thing to have to walk a thing that's ostensibly running the whole ship through and like tricking it into following its own rules to get to you doing the yeah there were actually now that i think about it there's a couple of other episodes similar to that in voyager both of them involving balana there was that cardassian computer you know this cardassian smart bomb that she had reprogrammed with her own voice and she had to get into like a big logic fight with that one to uh, to get it to disarm itself. And then there was the actual, I guess it was an android. It was not clear if it was androids or robots, the artificial life form that they came across. That was basically, they were continuing a war that had ended a long time ago because they killed their makers when they tried to. Those yeah. were androids, I think. Yeah, but yeah. just because they're people-shaped robots is android. Otherwise, it's just whatever. But yeah, automaton mechanical man right. device. A clockwork gentleman. 
But those are those are two examples I can think of where like the system, the algorithm, if you'll forgive the conflation of the two, was producing a different outcome than the human wanted. Um, Corey, you, haven't you been saying that you've been digging into the, or you either are are still in the journey of, or have moved through Deep Space Nine? Like, are you in the midst of that right now, or doing a second watch or something? Or no, no, I've I've watched Deep Space Nine through like probably okay. twelve times. Okay. Yeah. Yes. You know, the interesting thing to me is the notion of how Star Trek portrays an infallible computer. And and I thought about it like, you know, because the given technology is a reflection of the people that make it, you know, as evidenced by motion sensors that don't see black people. I was thinking about like, when, when do they show that the computer was wrong? And then I saw this, they did a little research where there's a deep space sign. They were deleting some files and the computer, Cardassian computer thought that there was some kind of uprising. And so it was... Yep. Like, yeah. Yeah. Gas them all. Gas, Gas them all. Them. Yeah. This is your alarm. And they're like, no. Yeah. It triggered that big automatic process. And then Goldicott ended up getting uh, screwed in that process too, because he didn't know that they had also like written a program for him. Yeah. Uh, right. Yeah. And so yeah, for me, like, I feel like that's what we get to see coming up. Like people are going to have developed these systems to handle problems. But if those problems are people who are trying to make a better life for themselves in response to tyranny and oppression, it's a bad algorithm. But like the what kind of prompted this entire discussion was we stumbled onto a, a Twitter thread or Paul did where someone was talking about how different it is to search for things on Google now than it was even just a few years ago. Because it used to be that you would search for something, you know, search for a particular topic that you're researching and it would pull up like academic articles and, you know, reliable sources of information. Now like top tier searches because it's all driven by search engine optimization tactics, top tier results are all coming from places like PragerU and, you know, right. whatever bullshit's getting posted on Facebook. And, you know, again, like there's no interrogation of that in Star Trek that like all this information, all this, all the decisions that they make, all their analysis is driven by the data that they're querying from these computers in real time. And there's never an interrogation about whether or not it's pulling up a Star Trek PragerU. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Is there a Star Trek PragerU? Oh god! I, I mean, like ostensibly, Jellico has to fucking watch something while he's sitting around. I mean, but so like we can give them the credit that we want. Like I'll give them the credit we want and say that all the documentation and the papers are written by people that go to all the conferences you go to when you're on the way to get sucked up into some kind of warp thing or while you're not on the ship this week or whatever. But those are right. academic conferences where people are presenting cutting edge research. And like we talked about before, every time you do something cool in Star Trek, you have to write a graduate thesis paper about the time you punched the alternate universe you in the dick or whatever but like right like this is an ongoing academic and exploratory project so ostensibly people are doing this uh -huh, research yeah. and it is being reviewed but ah that doesn't go super well here now there is a lot of episodes where it seems like the work is staying up all night applying filters you know, to your database. Like, that does seem to be, like, a lot of what Bashir does to solve problems or what LaForge might do. And, I mean, that can make sense for things like a xenobiology for, like, okay, what's this pro... Because protein, once you get to a certain scale, matter is a shape, right? Like, molecules and, and this stuff is 
thing like their cells and and viruses are things like you can't make a person really tiny without just making a mouse right the brain has to be a certain size for the chemistry to work the electricity and all, all of the things that are like required to make a body so it's like ostensibly if you're researching a big scary thing like get a thousand medical journals from everywhere i mean this is part of what has been happening around us with covid right if you're like oh shit well it's like this other thing look in the papers about that and see if they came up with anything cool about this tiny facet of it that might overlap and then does that apply to the rest of it we don't know but we wrote a lot of papers in between and it's the cutting edge science and it's also fucking wrong half the time which is fine that's what the cutting edge is about but they are living on that yeah you know, the, what's interesting, too, is thinking about, you know, our modern search engine are being compelled to do such a thing to create a search engine. And, you know, to I think um, I, I can't remember the guest's name, but the person that we talked about referenced earlier as far as the fact that there's no AI. I mean, you've got for all of these companies that are speaking or talking about AI or, or talking about, you know, these search results that are better than others or whatever, but it's, they're better than others because they do have people in a back room doing all this stuff. And they've got, you know, Amazon's Mechanical Turk program and they've got all of this stuff that's going on. I think about the grift when you're not trying to get money out of me to buy your product and you're just a person and you're bored or people that are smart are assholes and they do bad things and the grift to try to get people to come to their website to you know like prayer you being seen as some sort of a you know an actual place where people go to learn uh is or where they even go it's not a fucking place it doesn't exist <laughs> they go to be an asshole on the internet's, you know, asshole university. But my concern ultimately is I keep coming back to this, no matter what we build, no matter what we do, if it is, and we're building it in opposition to the human side of, you know, just, we need people, we need to engage with people. We need to, like, there are a lot of communications, things that go on both, you know, non-verbally and chemically. But when you think about what we're trying to do, it's just like a mind, a mind, the AI doing something we don't want it to do and being fed by people we don't want to know about. None of it is applicable, but it's all, we all have to use it. It's really a kind of a bleak situation. It's a bummer. So thanks, Corey. You got me thinking about that. <laughs> I'm reminded of uh, recently that was, uh, and it was, this was something Damien, else Damien raised up, which was, um, it was a, an AI and it was a machine learning process. It was basically a black box and it had figured out how to sort x-rays by race, which is not something x-ray techs ever do or need to do or have call to do. And they have no idea how it did it or why it was right, but they know that it did it and it was right, which is also like the other end of this where you're like, okay, for every mechanical Turk that is just a bunch of guys working a thing the other version is one that you're like okay well how did it get to that conclusion i don't know fuck right right absolutely like black and brown people testing technology that senses whether your hands under the faucet or whether the door will open or i mean it's just yeah oh it happens to me all the fucking time and i'm not even like i'm olive toned i'm not even like that dark but every other motion detecting faucet just does not work for me ever it infuriates me you've never seen this woman with a paper towel I, and not in the 21st century <laughs> so it's just vaguely damp <laughs> but it, the thing is like it's 
It's not that like one time it's not that big of a deal, right? But it's that aggregate. It's that like most places I go, I have to try two or three times to get the water to turn on. And it's like, that adds up, you know? Those are eventually, you know, hours of my life or whatever that I'm spending just waving my hand in front of a faucet so that I can clean off after I wiped my ass. Like It goes to the, the <laughs> fact that like people want to be seen and like that, that goes to the core of what mm -hmm. we try to do as humans. It's really, you know, I mean, to look at our technology and see that when it goes awry, it's either because we've forgotten about a whole subset of people or we didn't forget about it. <laughs> like we purposefully cataloged. That's awful. Well, I mean, it's just, it's like a perfect sort of like microcosm of just all of the various systemic and institutional ways the biases of the people creating technology make life harder. Like we were saying, I know I'm not the one who introduced this idea or anything, but it is just a remarkably perfect microcosm. Well, and this, this implicit trust of technology is a huge problem. Like, I don't know, in my own little area of concern, like, I really wish people would stop using FaceApp, you know, especially trans people. I don't think it's good for your mind to use it. Um, I'm not familiar with... Uh, it'll, it'll, uh, it'll do, it's like a gender swap face filter. And I've noticed this, like, secondary thing that happens now where trans women will celebrate the moment when FaceApp detects and tries to switch you from woman to man instead. That's some calipers ass shit mm -hmm. right there. And That's it's like, weird. It's like, look, the algorithm said I was a woman now. It must be true. A bunch of tech bros who fed it pictures of, I guess, what they felt like counted as women, you know, just told me I'm a girl. So it's real now. But I mean, that's a, it's very similar to the way I reject that feeling and hate that feeling, actually, when I get classed as girl, right? Like, I, I say woman is something that happens to me, not something I am. And in a way, wow, yeah. I think this actually also speaks to a truer, deeper nature about these kinds of identities, though, right? Like, because these identities only become relevant in somebody else's perception of you. If you were just existing out in a vacuum, there would be no concept of girl to begin with. So it's always kind There'd of- There'd also a... be no air. Sorry, that's a space joke. Please go on. I apologize. Crapton's log, Paul. Crapton's log. I'm putting yeah. that in the Crapton's log. Yeah, I seed my defeat on that one. I don't know what squeeze to tell you. Squeeze that right in there, yeah. Uh, so squeeze that one out there, didn't you? No, but I, but I think that interplay, right, between self and other, that conversation and exchange is so essential to what it is to be human. And that's why things like identity become such sort of friction points for people to disagree and say, well, I see you this way and you're saying you are this way and I, you know, intuitively know that my perception is the most accurate perception in the universe because it's the only one I've ever seen and therefore it must be the ultimate truth, right? And then the other person is saying, yeah, but I can feel inside of this space. I can see inside of this space that you have no insight into and no window into except for what I tell you and I need you to believe me. And so uh, this is actually a quote I'm stealing from one of the hosts over at the Cool Zone pod who we love and friends of the pod. They said all language all sort of communication, but including language, including written language, including code, all of this stuff is just a series of progressively more intricate charades. And so I think when we try to reduce that interrelationship of, you know, communication and feedback and back channeling and, you know, having that immediate, I see this, do you see this too, between yourself and another person, once you try to automate that, it breaks because we just don't have algorithms good enough yet, you know?
I think maybe we could in time, you know, we keep reaching that sort of, uh, yeah. you know, ever increasing technological, you know, we're headed towards the singularity. But I honestly do, I have to imagine, you know, if you're building an algorithm that is making decisions about whether or not people get access to communication, like whether they get access to be seen in a space where people gather to be seen, and it is consistently making egregiously bad choices based on civility and patriarchy and rules that someone defined that the full body yeah. didn't get together to make these decisions. It was a, you know, to your point, a, a subset of rules that, uh, you know, again, doesn't apply to everybody. That's a danger, you know, and I, I wonder, I always try, I'm always compelled to say, well, how can we make things better? But this is pretty insidious and so invisible that sometimes don't yeah. know how many times you may have been shadow banned or, you know, removed from a thing or, you know, couldn't wash your hands or just remained vaguely damp for, you know, a week, but for a paper towel yeah. holder that would work for you, you know, but... <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I've gotten to the point, like y'all are joking, but I pretty much just default to letting my hands air dry. Like I'll give it a wave, but if it doesn't go the first time, I'm just like, fuck it. I have wet hands now. I don't even bother anymore. <laughs> I was going to say um, vaguely damp for a week. I'll take uh, symptoms of progesterone for 400, LeVar. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, yeah. Something you said crapped me, Troy, which is the rules, right? Like, cause these are, cause these are yeah. systems that are put in place and yeah. built that are constructed not even with like by the people that are constructing them but also then in the framework of like okay capitalism and all that but also the very specific legal framework of what keeps us from getting sued because i run a website now and i need to keep this inside of a boundary that will keep me from getting the most ruckus rather than right. actually being correct in a lot of situations too like in addition to like with the extremism funnel where i need to keep you on the website so i'll give you weirder and weirder shit so my bound my sort of uh -huh. allowable tolerances for things has to be wider in general but also that yeah what i'm cutting off is the stuff that will make the most aggressive idiots mad and I like the inability of like uh something i have always lamented is the inability of sensible people to get together and write letters to the grocery store telling them i find their mediocre music offensive because if a swear comes on the radio, a thousand ladies are going to be on the fucking typewriter. Well, not you get the idea. They will, but the, the, the Kroger will hear about it, right? If, if there is a swear on the radio yeah. during the music, oh, yeah. the Kroger will hear about it from dozens of concerned parents. But I, yeah, we can't get them to turn it off or put on something that jams. Yeah, well, I think it's funny. You know, this is happening right on the tail end of a really unfortunate political loss in Atlanta where um, a bunch of black advocacy groups and black liberation groups and a couple of, you know, ally groups worked together on this project called Stop Cop City where they were going to pave something like 100 acres of forest to make a little pretend city for cops to practice, you know, doing fascism in. They can learn sweep and clear. Yeah, yeah. And it, it did not even come close to getting shot down. It got like something like 10 to 4. It was 10, it was 10 to 4. There were 17 hours yes. of public comment, 2 to 1 against. Mm -hmm. And the ones that were like for overwhelmingly were unpopular. Yeah. And it's also not even in the city, but it's a whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. And what happened there is exactly the same problem, but now they figured out how to ignore it you know like the inputs are no longer being received they've been habituated so all of these strategies we're using to try and pressure people is like call your city council person okay everyone did yeah. they listened and then they did the opposite thing how do i fix that yeah yeah how do you get people to hold on to hope you know when you spent the last four months pouring your heart into this campaign and it didn't make a difference because it was too late the decision was already made
That's pretty bleak. And I, I think that there's an allegory to the, it's the notion that how do you, I mean, when's the last time you tried to get customer service for, I don't know, Google or Gmail or. Yeah. Does such a thing exist? Oh, hey, customer service only serves to blunt your rage and take down your account number. They can't fix most of your problems. Yeah. And that is, that is actually another reason we talk, wanted to talk to you. You about. won't get yeah. to a person. Well, if you get to a person, their job is to... Yeah, they it. just send you to the help forum. It's like, oh, thanks. Uh, maybe somebody else solved my problem first. Where you get to like be under the thumb of some tiny king of this particular yes. forums area. It is just absolutely... Mm-hmm. I, it's untenable. I can't... I can't well, and the it. problem is in the hierarchy itself, I think, right? Like when yeah. you start giving people that kind of sole control over things like that, even if it's the tiniest amount of power, like you're saying a tiny forum or something, when yeah. you give people that kind of power, they become vicious, you know? And they're unpaid. They're, uh, they're unpaid. Yeah, yeah, it is people. the least, yeah. it is the softest power you could possibly have. Social media right. is the <laughs> softest possible power to have. I know the most about the AT&T modem, Rachel. I have to be in yes. charge of the forum. I have answered three right. million questions. <laughs> well, you know, like, and it's funny because great. people will so quickly accept that like social media is an extremely soft form of power and not terribly effective. But then they'll go and spend six months canvassing, right? Oh, or something yeah. that like was decided before they even got wind. And they're so resistant to taking that next step, which I find very interesting, which of course is direct action, which is yeah, fuck yeah. it, we'll just go solve the problem. Because they, they're bought in, I think, to this sort of yeah. hierarchical structure and the sort of cult of competency that gets built up around those kinds of hierarchies, you know? You saved me from my existential dread. I was literally thinking, you know, how do people get out of this? Like, how do, how, mm-hmm. how do we get out from it? Because it's so insidious and it's so quiet and it's all kind of, you know, you've mm-hmm. got capitalism has created this opportunity for people to just feel the good feeling of a, of a job well done that they're not paid for, but that they get to just be mm-hmm. bossy opinion givers to people who are legitimately having problems with, you know, that need some support, not- Please stop describing podcasting You're telling so me well. they don't need a middle manager to treat them like an employee before they get basic <laughs> help with the things they're trying to do? Yeah, yeah. You mean to tell me that that shit is demeaning and dispiriting and has an actual fracturing effect on mass movement politics is when you talk down to poor people like they're your uneducated employees instead of listening to them, they might feel alienated? That's That's wild. That's right. Yeah. What a zany thing. Oh, don't even hire him. Just just recruit all the mean girls. Give all of the points, the points, you know, for, you know, being the most person who talks the most isn't always the best person to answer the question. But the idea mm-hmm. that direct action is really what makes the difference and makes the change. That means getting out, doing things, getting off the computer, getting out into the world. I think you're right. I think you're right. That is, yeah. I mean, they can't really algorithm that away unless they just don't open the doors, I guess. So I wanted to go back to your point that you were making earlier. Rachel about uh, how language is is just an increasingly absurd like versions of charades. Yeah, I mean it's so incredibly complex in our world right now with just you know different national languages and and different like cultural contexts already within our current world like the complexity that gets added when you start multiplying that by different alien races and all the cultural context that comes with that. Like the, the answer isn't necessarily to like put all the power uh, and the decision-making and the, the filtering in human hands, because that is obviously problematic. Um, that's the reason why the, the algorithm doesn't work the way that it idealistically should in the first place, because it was designed by humans and it, it has human biases programmed into it. So multiply that by the layers of complexity that get added when you 
insert multiple alien languages and, and cultural contexts into that. Is it even possible for their, like, the, the way that the database works, the way we see it work in Trek, where I make a query of the computer and it produces information that I accept as factual, like, is that even possible? Or is it in the future? Is it just going to be feeding me, like, whatever garbage passes for information on Ferenganar? Have y'all um, y'all ever wondered why the root word for white and the word for black are start with the same letter in different languages? Like, you know, Blanco for white, stuff mm-hmm. like that. All the Germanics have a W starting that. Indo-European root word starts with a B, and it means fire. And so you're sitting around a campfire trying to learn someone's language, and you point at the fire and say that word in an ancient Indo-European variant. Was I pointing at the ash or the flame? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And so half of Indo-European languages have Blanco white, and half of them have B for black. Yeah. That's pretty interesting. I love that. That's so cool. Yeah, I think you're onto something. It was that confusion or whatever. Yeah, or or just the genesis of these biases, you know, that they kind of start in a place and then get filtered kind of through our daily motivations, which can not always be real great. That's interesting. Well, I think I will yeah. speak up for machine learning. As I, as you said, I'm the Borg Leninist or the Borg tanky or whatever <laughs> we're, uh, we're calling this. But I, I mean, yeah, no, they're the most, until the queen, which is a weird way to reset that and give it a character actor, which is fine. But the idea of a bunch of people who are operating in unison and like they're exchanging information almost, let's say perfectly, right? Like, or their bandwidth is, they're in each other's heads. This is good bad yes we are all wrong and we are all going to be wrong but what do we want and what are we asking of the genie or golem is a way to think of these uh, that i've heard that is wonderful of like okay are you going to get exactly what you asked for out of the golem and it does word for word what you asked for or are you going to get exactly what you deserve when you just throw some shit at a genie and it's like well here's what happens next and which of and like again what are you asking of these systems is and you will get accordingly i think is a good and like that speaks to uh, the aspirational hope of starfleet ultimately right that we do become just like a bunch of dorks you know we all want to go look at the stars and shit and like oh look at it that thing's red i mean which is ultimately like the joy of starfleet like it's a bunch of people sitting in their living room watching the cosmos blow past so in the future the algorithm will be less racist because society will be less racist no fucking way. No fucking way. And right. And no the way. fundamental reason why is like, okay, it's it's the same reason the brain is such a blunt instrument, right? Like, I know we love to think we're so fucking genius or whatever, but like, we make so many really obvious mistakes all the time because of heuristics and because heuristics save energy. And because at the end of the day, sorry, Paul, we are talking meat. Like, we're a machine trying to conserve energy that inputs and outputs, yeah. you know, afferent. I mean, people thought I was a girl for years, like decades. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. Humans are terrible at this yeah well and i mean that's the crux of it right like what we have to do biologically to create the kind of pattern recognition that we're capable of is make a lot of really hasty generalizations and there's no way to teach a computer that sort of intuitive state of exception you know yeah and i mean and it's it's a probabilistic thing almost right like when we're comparing you know object to object right it's like okay this has this many points of reference in common with this thing and this many points of reference in common with this other thing you know is it a peach or is it an orange yeah computers are not nearly complex enough to be that inconsistent Mm -hmm. while believing wholeheartedly that they are in fact completely consistent 
I mean, that's like emergence, right? Like you can't see what you emerged from in itself because it is you and you are of it and so on and so forth. However, that heuristic inaccuracy, right? It serves a purpose. It's not for nothing, right? Like it is it is not feasible, at least by any technology we are aware of up to and including the incredible complexity of the biology of the brain, which is more complex than any computer we have by a long shot, right? Even by those standards, it is not efficient to do the entire algorithm, right? What we've been doing programmatically is just using our biases to create those shortcuts. But I don't think we would ever escape the sort of illusory correlations from being, you know, observed or found or misidentified, right? Because even when you are using the most algorithmic type of observation, your sample matters. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, your seed, whatever starts that that process of learning. But what's interesting, so are you are you all familiar with Google Crowdsource? No, but I already hate it. What about it? You know, you will hate it. I predict that you will hate it, but it's basically what they're doing is it, it's positioned as sort of a volunteer and get involved and be important to make a difference in the world. And Oh, I you, definitely hate it. Yeah, basically you validate audio and you validate uh, semantics. Your mm -hmm. camera, they go around and take pictures of all your things and see if Google can guess what it is, you know, and just contextually, like it's a dog that's a magnet on the fridge. Is it a dog? You know, like it's, it's so, it's so insidious. Can it distinguish There's... a picture from the thing? Like, is it a dog or a picture of a dog? And can, that's right. And, and, yeah. yeah. You're teaching it those slight, and you're spending the time to hold its hand. That's right. Handwriting recognition. That's very kind of you in some ways, but I'm scared of it. It's the sentiment analysis. This is fascinating for me. Just the the anger, or is that is this person happy or are they sad? Is basically what you're like going back and forth or angry. Well, bared teeth is a smile, and and it's not super yeah. clear that that's positive when you see it on a people. I mean, you know, like I and can't when tell. you look at like. When you're trying to decide, you can't just do it by the mouth, right? I mean, you can get like kind of a sense of it depending, but like it's the eyes. It's always the eyes. Yeah, it is. Yeah. That's why you can keep wearing your mask. It's fine. And and one of the things they notice for like people who have autism, right? Like when they do eye tracking studies, autistic people, they look at the wrong parts of the face. They are not looking at the eyes. They're looking at the mouth, right? And missing there's the cue. Yeah. 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 And they're, they're missing the cues because they're looking at the wrong parts of the face. So they're not able to really as accurately gauge emotions because they're looking in the wrong place. And it's all of those little things, right? Like that if you have other people around, if you have the input of sort of comparative analysis from other systems that have had these different experiences from you, you can compare notes and say, oh no, look at their eyes. You know, they're happy, they're angry. Their mouth is ambiguous, but look at their eyes. Or you can ask the person, say like, how do you feel? And they can say, I'm angry. Yeah, yeah. I can tell from the way you swing the bat left. Yeah, right, right, exactly. But I mean, that's the thing yeah. that that complexity has to encounter something equally complex so that it can create a more accurate image. Well, and who's to say that there isn't a mechanism built in? There's so much we don't know about how we communicate mm -hmm. to each other biologically, yeah. you know, that who's to say that moving to a space where a algorithm is deciding based on your text alone, what your intentions are? What if oh, there's yeah. a mechanism where being around people, you basically get sort of de-escalated before you reach the point of no return, which is interesting because I'm looking at a, one of the questions that it says is, do these phrases mean have the same meaning? And it said, one was, I want someone to talk with 
And the other one was, I need someone to talk to. And I thought, mm. how bleak. I mean, that's like someone who's like, please asking this, you know, the algorithm to source resource for me. That's very different stuff, but I can mm-hmm. see where you'd get lost in a, in a definition. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and like consider the sort of culture wars around texting and punctuation and texting. Yeah. Uh, So, you know, for people who maybe are not as familiar with this, there is a couple of texting is a form of communication that you can do with your cellular telephone. Yes, we'll start at the beginning. So first, there were telegrams. T9, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. So depending on what age cohort you started using the internet or using, you know, instant messaging of some kind or another, whether it was texting with your phone or an application or, you know, I don't know, whatever your COVID microchip, like. Skywriting. Everybody thinks the abbreviations they grew up with are the only correct ones. Yeah, yeah. And, and so one of the things that has happened is older generations, they're used to using periods to end their sentences. And it's not like a big deal. It's just a normal thing that happens at the end of the sentence. But when you start getting into like middle and younger millennials, we tend to use line breaks instead of periods. And when we use a period, it means we're mad or we're being very serious. It, it, it indicates something that's completely absent, right? And it's like, this can create these really funny, but also potentially dangerous sorts of misunderstandings where somebody might say, okay, period. Yeah, wait, doomer here. Here. I've just been using sentences because I'm tedious. Am I being rude to people? Shit. No. Like, no, we can tell you're being tedious. It's fine. Well, but I mean, that's the thing, right? Like, there's an extent to which we know when and how to code switch even digitally. Yeah, like, so so I'm a doomer like you are too, Paul. And I've noticed that a lot of people in my age cohort tend to use, I'm Gen X, uh, late Gen X. A lot of us tend to use, like, we break up sections of, of the thought with ellipses instead. Uh, yes. And so, like, I'll, I'll write, like, you know, maybe a, a text that's, like, two or three actual lines wrapped along. But, like, it'll be, the, the thoughts will be broken apart by ellipses. But if I'm writing incomplete sentences, like I'm trying to get a fucking point across. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. Every single one of those periods is a staccato <laughs> emphasis on how That's angry you right. are. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> They just end the sentence, y'all. It lets you know that the next one's going to start in a second. Come on. Ah. But when I tweet something like, you know, my girlfriend drives a manual or my girlfriend is an Eagle Scout, I will also end those sentences with a period. So that's like a whole extra layer, right? That's like irony posting. Then you have to have all this other interpersonal context to understand it. And that's what that's makes right. it fun, right? Is it's cheeky and you have to be in on the club to get the joke. I really just wish we we should bring back the irony mark that they had when people just exchanged journals and correspondence. This kind of, yeah, punctuation problems has definitely been an issue we've dealt with before, but everyone's like using oh, a yeah. quill. So it's like, it's weirder now. Right. Well, and also it's a lot harder to get mad at something somebody said and pop off and say something assholeish to them with a letter that takes three or four weeks to get there. Right. A guy on a horse brings it to him by hand. Although it is a lot easier to go to war. So I don't know, maybe it's worse. So um, before we drift too far from kind of this analysis of the algorithm and, you know, the sorting algorithm especially, I just want to, like, say I don't think it's that different from how humans do it, and I don't think humans are that much better at doing it. When you have, like, budding breasts and chest hair, like, you can fry everybody's sorting algorithm without trying. And it's like, people are also terrible at it. 
Absolutely. People will, well, you hope there are some people who don't, but the algorithm doesn't have a measure of the impact of the thing that it has done. Like it, it doesn't go, oh, I, this person's hurt or this yeah. per- that's a, a cruelty. I've seen that in a lot of motherfuckers too. No, it's built to decode the human genome, right? Like that's what it does. It, right. it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't work a thing as complicated as a human relationship. It can figure out how proteins are folded. Like that's really good for it, but it's not this. It doesn't even have that sense of foreboding when the typing response comes up and takes a long time and starts and stops a bunch and you realize, oh shit, I made them mad and they're picking their words real carefully right now. You know what I mean? Right. Like Those are the kinds of really quick judgments that we can make heuristically and emotionally that computers can't. That's right. And we and we, and we course correct based on those cues, yes. even as small, like we seek them even in texting. We try to build a whole landscape of what's going on in their mind and, and how do we interpret these things and can do that really well. But the algorithm algorithm doesn't care. I mean, it just doesn't. Yeah, computers don't have a theory of mind. Yeah. <laughs> no, and it, it doesn't even know why it may be removing you from you are on or you are off based on some arbitrary, you know, rules of the day or coaching from a group of meat computers. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and like you said, yeah. it doesn't know what it's doing because it doesn't know anything about itself. Well, let's change that. Let's ruin this hypothetical thing. Well, let's give it a physical presence though, right? Because part of this is okay. like, mm. okay, this is all something that exists in just the abstract that has to be done to you by a person eventually. Like someone has to then take the output of this thing and do stuff with it. But with the onset of like full automation of fucking nothing, but everyone's trying to make it everything. So your internet of things, right? Your city internet of things, all of this your connected net, everything. Skynet. Well, see, I mean, I don't even want to go to this because I, again, I've, as I, sp- I said earlier, the dumb singularity is the one that I'm most concerned with, right? Like, I don't <laughs> think it's your actually. Skynet, your friends, how? <laughs> but like, I mean, that we have a world that where we are increasingly leaning into connecting all of these devices and it gets back to yeah. ultimately your ice cream machine calls you a fatty for ordering a sundae. And this is the, yeah. one of the, like, again, we're like, but we're back at Star Trek which is kind of like hey watch this uh but nice. uh, in terms of a segue but like that is a okay. we are reaching but into the that and they like, program it to say that somebody's going to program it to say oh yeah girl eat that ice cream well and now we're trapped in the hitchhiker's oh, guide to the galaxy serious cybernetics real personality right like where that fucking marvin is rightly pissed off at all the doors for being super cheerful and i love opening it's like fuck off yeah fuck you how dare you yeah like that is it's strange i don't know and i feel like that's where uh, that is one of the versions of where we're headed and i like to kick that around do you think on some level karens are all just marvin's angry at the people in front of them because they're too chipper they wouldn't have the fucking forebrain to even start conceiving of a robot so grand as marvin yeah, it is kind of sad, uh, sad state of affairs when the extent of our drive to create technology, you know, in our real space is can it make fuck or can it make fear? Like those are the two things that we're like working with. You know, Star Trek seems to have a better, more holistic view of what technology is about. And it's not about, you know, unless you're the Borg, it's not about, uh, you know, killing you. Right. And it, what it should be about is creating a diversity of solutions. Yeah. Well, now yeah. I'm not going to be able to speak up for the Borg anymore. But when you apply a production model to that, it becomes the one size fits most and poorly at that, right? Yeah, that's absolutely right. Yeah, it, it, it's our narrow pathway of defining sort of how can we get the most glop into the most mouths and, and it becomes, yeah, that's... Uh, we only got two sizes of doodad in this dystopia. It's, it's that tension of value between, you know, speed and completeness. 
Yeah. And also value of the person you're serving. Cause it's, there's this whole like, oh, we're providing a customer service. Oh, the customer is the most important thing. And they're kind of not really like you. We are not. I've been the customer a bunch of times. We suck. <laughs> That's right. I don't seem to care a whole great deal. Somebody I know who I will not name worked at a company called, let's say, Shmay TNT. And one of the best pieces of advice they ever gave me is never forget Shmay TNT is a billing company first. Right. That's right. Yeah. Every company is rightly a billing company first, but more so at scale, right? Yeah, they don't give yeah. a damn. Like, we well, yeah. see this with the uh, as we see the infrastructure degrade, right? Like everyone's talking about, oh, smart cities, but like, okay, but the power company can't keep the power on, but they do keep the bills flowing. So that's chill. That's right. Yeah, or, or companies like Schlongcast, I think, is the name. But like mm -hmm. the fact you get all the entertainment you can possibly get billed for. I mean, like it's just absolutely they're a billing company first. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Well, so that thing you said, Paul, just a second ago about like the power company can't keep the power on. Interesting thing about that, and, and this might have been what you were referring to, but like in Texas a couple of months ago when they had that massive heat wave and they were exactly not able it. to provide, yeah, they weren't able to provide enough power to keep everybody's lights on. Like they went into people's smart thermometers and raised the temperature so that their AC wouldn't be running to lessen the power load, which is like, that doesn't sound like a kind of thing we want having in our life. Like, I I, I know that kind of tracks with, I, I don't know, like in, in Star Trek, everybody has the ability to, to adjust the uh, environmental controls in their own space and their shared workspaces yeah. and whatnot. But like, and maybe if I'm at work all day, maybe the air conditioner doesn't need to be on. And I did not mean to leave it on. But on the other hand, mm, you get out of my house. Maybe we're actually really fucked until they tell the algorithm, the AI becomes self-aware, be able to make this, those decisions because it would say if we're meant to keep people cool, you can't do that because I see all people as equal and, you know, all of that, uh, in addition to not yeah. color, you know, I mean, like but that gets back to the same sort of question that comes up with like self-driving cars, right? Do you hit the baby carriage or do you hit, you know, the group of middle-aged people? If you have to choose which one, which is better if you are the mission. Machine making that choice, which one do you hit, right? Is yeah. there some way I can kill the driver? Well, that's that is exactly what happened in that episode of Voyager where Bellano was working on that that smart bomb that she had reprogrammed, mm -hmm. where it it turned off the life support system to try to get her to leave the vessel. Uh huh. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. I mean, like, so I, I really feel like we are building a thing that we will have to, con we already have to contend with the bad choices that it makes on our behalf based on the rules we ask it to act on. But when it becomes real self-aware, it'll, what happens when it's like, wait a minute, that's contrary to the goal of my even existence. So, you know, do they get eliminated or, I mean, how does that work? I mean, that'll be very interesting to see. Yeah. Well, and who do you blame when it hits a fail state and it hits the baby yeah. carriage instead? Oh, I know exactly who to blame for that, actually. It's the people that set up the shoddy system. Because, like, this is happening to automate and sort of remove a lot of back office jobs. Like, the billing company thing. This sure, comes yeah. up because, like, mm -hmm. a lot of that stuff is all now, like, okay, so calling people on the phone is cheaper than ever before. You can have them anywhere, which means collections calls are cheaper than ever before. One of the student loan companies quit doing it because it's still too expensive to call people with no money and get told that they don't have any money that right. being said uh so like eviction moratorium is what made me think of this right so on the 30th everybody that's to be evicted because they didn't think there was no reason for them to believe it was going to roll it was going to be renewed they sent those to everyone right they've set all the paperwork machines in motion to begin those evictions and file those pieces of paper because it is simply faster to do that on the day when the fucking machine turns because we are ultimately yeah. looking back at accounting the grand actuarial tables must be appeased and 
and the wheels will not stop. And that these are those. And like, I don't know whether we make those the rules that we make our thing out of, or is it like, no, just sh show me the shape of the curve of the nebula. I want to show my friends also on the spaceship. We have outfits, uh, which is what we're all hoping for, I assumed, with the Star Trek thing. But uh, it is so it's so brutal and it's so gruesome. And we and we step away from it so much. Yes, let's talk about Star Trek. Let's talk about the I want to talk about MUDs androids for a second, right? Because th this is the episode, the most memed episode of Star Trek. It is the one where they do the illogical plays to break all of the twins. Like one, they get like four or five sets of twins to play all these androids, but they all have little number things and Harry Mudd is using them to steal the ship, but they in fact have him held right. captive. But the, the way you get out of this is by breaking their logic circuits because there's no way they could handle crazy illogical situations like people just <laughs> dancing for no reason or pretending to do something and it works because it's the 60s come on let's roll but it is one of the fun ways of like okay so this is does this work i mean can you ruin these things or do you just have to get out of them and can you can you do that right like is it like are these yeah. the kind of things like if you throw this kind of chaff at these kinds of systems there's visual razzle dazzle camouflage that can break some of the camera's ability to look but ultimately the landlord still runs it and everybody's running your credit score through one so can you do a funny dance at the algorithm and not be part of it or do you just have to run away from society in a weird and not run away from obviously you have to well they're gonna keep using them right like that being the the underlying fear or reality well and and the assumption there of course is that the algorithm is going to look at them as people mm. and that behavior would be confusing because it has insight into the human condition of some kind and theory of mind of some kind which at that point is no longer an algorithm yeah what is it it's life is it a sentient this yeah. is very important, I think, is that like when when this singularity we're talking about, when it happens, we will live or die on our good behavior because there's no way we're stopping it once it happens, right? Yeah. I mean, wait, wait, hey, why don't we try talking to it? Oh, right, because we built it on our dumb failure to talk to each other. But here's here's my thought about or how we bring this back to Star Trek. Oh, thank God. Canonically, the computer can program a self-aware sentient being like Moriarty, right? Yeah, the Mori the wife of Moriarty special, as it were. Uh, make her a uh, me, would you? Yeah, you ask the computer and it can create a complex enough synthetic set of algorithms that is a consciousness. So, like, isn't every computer in Star Trek, like, an actual, like, being that is, like, has a theory of mind and stuff? It's like, it has to be able to do that. Do they operate with that rule, like, the, you know, the don't kill, like, the don't harm? I mean, is that... No, is, no, no. It, no, oh, no. I mean, this is a Moriarty. This is Moriarty. He is ready to take the ship and all of them with them. So, it's... No, they've never... Those don't have Asimov rules or anything of that kind. Uh -uh. I mean, Data doesn't either. That is not the way they have set that up. And thus the and this is... I, Picard deals well with this because it ultimately... And I think his argument... This is also the argument for Measure of a Man. Once they're people, they're going to be people, or you're going to make slaves with them. If you build a robot, an, like a, an android, a robot, yeah. if you make these things a per, it, if, to do the job it needs to do it, if it will need mm -hmm. to be a person, now you just made a person and you got to be nice to it. You got to give it like act yeah. in solidarity with it. Well, uh, and if you don't, you know, the intrinsic drive of all free beings is to be free. Space the rich, not the robots. <laughs> 
So, well, like the doctor, his, uh, his ethical boundaries are all defined by a program that is easily turned on and off. And it happens more than once in Voyager, where they actually just shut down his ethical subroutine, not the Voyager crew, but it happens on several occasions where the doctor's ethical subroutine gets deleted or damaged somehow. That feels like it should be an underlying doctor thing. Right. Like, you know what? If the ethical subroutine doesn't work, the whole thing fails to resolve. It's just... So what is the thing that is least likely to be automated, but that you would most love to have automated in your daily life? I will give you a moment to think about it. While I tell you that it is ultimately folding and ironing my fucking clothes. Laundry has been a job for hundreds, if not thousands of years, all of clothes civilization. And it's a job that sucks. And it's a job that is specific and hard and requires to be done. And a particular way because your clothes are dirty in a new way they require to be hung up and attended to in a particular way i'm a person with particular fashion but this is true of folding the t-shirts at the fucking gap right it is not a thing you can make a robot do and i would love for that to that would be mine it will never happen but that is what i would ask of my robot butler and would pay him handsomely or what i don't know look we trade maybe he like maybe he's programmed to like doing the laundry but we still make a bargain so it's a good deal thoughts hair removal like a barber or just like full on just stick your face into a mask and it's gone yeah so like in the same way that they do like deep fakes but for electrolysis (laughs) (laughs) just just to replace shaving yeah just like a shaving (laughs) yeah yeah just yeah, they use like the deep fake face mapping technology and then put a little laser beam on it or whatever and it yeah, yeah, fries yeah. your your face fur away. Yeah. Like tell <laughs> like what like the like okay, sometimes it takes a little bit more of the dermis than you were hoping for, but you're mostly it's something just a little. <laughs> a little. You should exfoliate better. If you exfoliated more, this wouldn't happen. That's actually um the laser hair removal, the efficacy is based on the difference between the color of your skin and the color of your hair. The bigger the difference, the more efficient and permanent it is. (laughs) I got one laser hair removal appointment. Like, I didn't go back and back and back, but like, it's way too expensive. But uh, yeah, like, she was like, please stay out of the sun. Like, you're going to be back time and time again. The settings on this machine are going to change based on your skin tone. Like, keep it as close as possible. Oh my god! Wild. What well, wouldn't it be like a, a like a um, sonic hair removal in in Trek? Yeah, it'd have to be sonic. Yeah, I never really understood the sonic thing. No, there's a barber. There's a barber on the ship. So Lower Decks finally gave us a little insight into the sonic showers, which we've talked about a couple of times. Oh, I think actually good. the last time you were on, yeah, That's I think right. the last time you were on, we talked about sonic showers. Yeah, there's a there's an, a recent episode of Lower Decks where they're uh, they're like in it's like a locker room shower situation, but it's co-ed and they're all in the sonic shower together. And then Mariner gets into like a competition with somebody else, and they're like turning up the the settings on the sonic shower until it starts blowing people's eardrums out. <laughs> It's hilarious. So they're literally screaming the dirt off of people's bodies. Literally. That's literally what it's, it is. Yeah. I, that show making so much stuff canon is my favorite part of it. It's like, yeah, that's part of That's true. I got to watch it. Yeah. I haven't watched it yet. Oh, you, you're going to love it. Like, cause you, you love Deep Space Nine, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the best Trek since Deep Space Nine, like hands down. That's great. Yeah. Those are two really good automations of a daily kind of thing. I can't think of anything else that would be that. 
I would love to see like something to help, you know, cleaning cat litter boxes because I have a lot of cats and I know that there is a thing such as a, a those robot cat work, litter no. box, but those are garbage. Cats hate them and it's absolute bullshit and it's it's still a monstrosity that you still have to take apart and clean. Every cat shit and piss is a unique angel. I know. I know. It's one of the only burdens that comes with uh, with all the joy that they bring me and I wish that there was a way to automate it that you know that they didn't hate that actually worked it did it yep yeah. it's one of the it's one of those jobs you found it there that's yep. the game show me show me another unautomatable these are all really good i mean you are all catching like my you know those are the the big issues of my day-to-day -day kind of slog cat litter box shaving and folding laundry or doing laundry in general but I can't think of anything better than that it's all right. I'll, I'll toss you architect because that's a job that only a person can do because anything else is just like, oh, you're going to make me a weird box. You won't put a flourish on a thing. It's not going to be like pretty <laughs> like you're not doing it just so you're just doing it because this is the way that the angles go and this this is the materials. And it usually won't reflect that either. That's brutalism. We don't do that. We do it in giant factories and like petroleum plants. And it's beautiful when they but there's an aesthetic right now. Yeah. Well, it does. It respects the materials. <laughs> <laughs> there is a an aesthetic right now uh, of uh, architecture that is remarkably like a prison cell kind of setup, <laughs> where it's all just sort of polished cement. But it's not prison. You you pay to hang out there. Oh no, you store it, people. Rachel, what do you what do you wish robots were doing for you? Hmm. This is really important because like I only have so many options here, but I think my ideal would be to have a team of perfectly chiseled man androids to just mm. carry me around at all times. Mandroid. Like Aphrodite in that one anime, you know, she's got like Mandroid. two different dudes to hold her titties. I want that. And then I want another <laughs> one with a palm frond. And that's what I would like for my robots. No, your, your titties are going to need to be carefully cradled every day in a different way. <laughs> what kind of breeze are you going to get off of the palm front? Mm -hmm. This is work only people yeah. can do. And I think mm -hmm. it really suitably speaks to the level of respect and adoration we, and I think all of our listeners have for you and our guest. Troy, where can, what, what would you like people to look at for you? You got anything cool going on? You're, you know, you're still um, making games? Still making games, still working at, um, you know, I, I, can I, can I pitch my, my, my group? Yes, uh, this is, that was the, that is the indication nice. that it is time to say the names of our things that we want people to look at. Well, I work for Green Ronin Publishing. We've been doing um, tabletop role play games for 21 years now. So back before there was an internet. So we are the OG grognards. Oh, you mean 2200? That's right. That's right. That's absolutely right. Back when you just sat around a table and had fun with your friends, pretending to be, a, I don't know, a, a wizard. But also, you know, check out Brand New Congress, brandnewcongress.org. We've got lots of great candidates, uh, progressive candidates that are fighting the good fight. And outside of that, you can find me at, at meta underscore Troy. And um, I hang out on Twitter. Not my favorite medium for having human dialogue, but uh, it's passable. And um, that's that. Always a pleasure. I really, really enjoy everybody's perspectives and the podcast is one of my favorites. It's definitely in my rotation. We appreciate that. We, we like having you on. You seem to know things. That's good. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks so much, Troy. For those of you who've never heard this before, this is a canned speech about not safe media.
If you like the show you just listened to, you can go to notsafemedia.com. You can check out all of our many, many shows, of which we have many. They're very cool. We have Hot Girl Agenda. We have Sendai Truther Club. We have this show. We have our flagship, Not Safe for Wonks. We have a gardening podcast that I don't know if it's on the air yet, but will be soon if it isn't. And we're kind of always playing around and coming up with new stuff. And, you know, we're completely creator-run, creator-owned. We're a co-op. All of the money you give us goes to keeping the lights on, keeping the shows hosted and you know occasionally sometimes it even feeds us but not usually if you want to find our podcast on twitter it's at nsf wonks and it is not safe for wonks on facebook and patreon.com slash not safe and lastly it is you can also find us on youtube at youtube.com slash not safe media and i think that's all of them did i get all of them there's like every time i feel like there's more did did you say your twitter oh yeah i have a twitter at punished rachel k and reach Rachel Khan everywhere else. I feel like every time I give this pitch, there's like another name I have to add. <laughs> the Twitter for our show is at Gay Spacecast, and you should go there and follow us because we do like pictures and takes and we talk to people and you can hear about episodes and this stuff. And w- actually, you'll be able to tweet at us about what cringe anime you think Rachel was watching before this show. Tweet Rachel's anime at us. Uh, no, don't do that. But do come yell at us. There's, there's a tweet for the show. You can tell us there. Uh, Amy, where do we find you? Uh, I'm Amy Hassel. Um, you can find me a Hassel on Twitter. That's uh, two S's and four A's. I'm also on YouTube. Amy Hassel on YouTube. Yeah, content ranges from horny trans girl posting to leftist Twitter nonsense and anti-circumcision posting. Well, Corey, do you have anything to follow? Yeah. Anti-circumcision yeah. posting? I don't think I can compete with that, but uh, you can find me on Twitter at CM Archibald. And uh, like Troy, I'm also involved with Brand New Congress, have been for a while. So that's uh, actually Troy and I end up collaborating on quite a few projects. We uh, we have a lot of cross section. And uh, in fact, we are working on another project right now that by the time this comes out might actually be on the air as well. We're working on a new uh, on a new show of our own. Um, Does so- it have a name? It does. Uh, it is going to be called Breaking Left. And oh, so oh my a... God, you're, wa- you're watching the meth program, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's, it's meth for leftists. No, it's not. Um, <laughs> although it might be. I don't know. We'll see how it all breaks out. So it is not a. It is not this show for Breaking Bad. That's not what this no, is. About. It no, it's not. Okay. No, <laughs> no, that's no. a good idea. That's great. No. It is a good idea, but no, that is not the purpose of it. So, so that's a. It's early in the planning stages for that. But by the time this episode comes out, uh, hopefully we'll have some some stuff on the air for y'all to listen to. So hopefully that'll be fun. You'll have and... checked it out on any of our twitters and on your Twitter, so they'll they'll know if it's out right yeah. now because they'll be like, oh hell yeah, that thing. I I saw them tweet about that. I love that. I'm so it's glad. Like cracked I already, me. I already listened. <laughs> like six episodes even though they only released four yeah by the time this releases we'll be getting people listening to this show because they listen to your show <laughs> could be yeah oh wow well my name's paul pirate i'm at hashtag subtext on twitter i'm other places you know me um troy say your say say the thing you say where you want to be seen again oh Just say, you throw can one out you can find me at uh, meta underscore troy on the twitters Boom. Uh, That has been Gay Space Communism. And as always, space the rich. Space the rich. Space them. Thanks, everybody. That was fun. Thank you. Love y'all.